Welcome to the Twee Couch Guitar Therapy Session where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch we are counseling on is tone in the fingers. Ah, the age-old debate, is tone really in the fingers? From the grip of the neck to the pluck of the strings, this debate has been heard time and time again. Of course, the gear has to play a part too, right? I have been told that a 51 no-caster is magical, and a 59 burst is godly, and the right martial plexi gets cranked to 11, and then ultimate tone is achieved. But where does most guitar tone come from? Does the gear really make the difference? Can you get heavy metal tones out of an acoustic? Why is this subject even a debate? Should you focus more on the gear or your technique? Where does this stem from? And if the tone is in the fingers, then how does a robot play guitar? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Chris on the Tweed Couch. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being here on the couch with me. And we're going to do something, and most people will probably like us to do this as a debate, but I cannot do it as a debate. Like, every time I think of where does the tone come from, is it the fingers, is it the gear, whatever, my head spins. And so we're not going to do that. Instead, we're just going to have a conversation about where does the tone come from as far as, like, a case for the fingers and a case for the gear. And, you know, we'll just see where things go because... I'm really kind of confused. I I don't really know. So this is probably going to be the most authentic and non-biased, where does the tone come from, gear or fingers. So thank you, Chris, for being on the couch. Thanks for having me back. And I really need some therapy in this because this week I did some tests with the tone in the fingers uh, with my guitar amp and everything. And I'll share with that a little later. Ooh, okay. So we have a little bit of field study. I like this. Yeah, very non-scientific, but... Well... Come on. It's something I did. You know, even though I love me some science, at the same time, sometimes you get the best results when you don't think scientifically and you just do. Yeah. So I I love it. All right. And that actually may come into one of my thoughts, too. So this is the way we'll start it. We are going to start it with making a case for why we think tone is in the fingers. So I'll go ahead and start with something just to kind of get us started. And it comes from this interview that I heard of Ted Nugent and he was talking about Van Halen and when they were on tour, this was back in like 1978. And he said that he came out there going, Holy cow, who is this opening band? Like they are really good. So he went out there, took a look, said, let me play the guitar. Let me play through the amp. And he did. And he said that when he played whatever he played, cat scratch fever, whatever it sounded like him. And then Eddie grabbed his Birdlin, and after he got the feedback taken care of, it sounded like him. So it didn't necessarily matter. So that, to me, is a case for tone is in the fingers. What do you think? I mean, yeah, I I can definitely agree with that because I have listened to people play on their rig, and they have a certain sound, and I pick up the guitar and sounded totally different. I was doing sound for, uh, they were a little blues band, and the guitarist was like, hey man, I want to hear what this guitar sounds like out there. Can you play it for a bit? I said, sure. I played it, 
sounded nothing like this guy. Yeah. And he was like, okay, never mind. Yeah, forget uh, it. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think there can be a case made for that. Now, to what extent? That's where some of the debates can come in. You know, to talk about the gear side and the tone being the fingers, signature gear is probably one of the places where I go, well, tone's in the fingers. Case in point, we're done. Because when I play a Silver Sky, when I play a SRV number one, when I play a J Mascus Jazz Master, it doesn't necessarily matter which one of those I play. I do not sound like any one of those artists. Santana. You know, I don't sound like Santana when I play. And a lot of it comes down to the reason why is probably the tones in the fingers. You know, this is if I'm just making the case for it. Right. I will say this, just being the broadcast engineer where you play guitar, you have a bunch of guitars. Yep. And what I always find is it sounds like Dr. T. Though there could be some differences between if you're playing a Les Paul or a Telly, we can get on that later when we talk about gear. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I can always tell it's you. I would agree. That's actually a comment I've made a number of times where I go, well, every time I play something, it sounds like me. And I can't help it. It just sounds like me. I, I can relate because anytime I play someone's guitar, it probably just sounds really sloppy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. So let's go to another guitar that's a pretty famous guitar, and that would be Greeny, which Kurt Hammett, now owns and uh, Gary Moore had it and all these different people have owned this guitar Mm -hmm. but I'm telling you Gary Moore is not going to sound like Kurt Hammett like there is no Metallica that is going to have Inter Sandman is not really a thing I think it's amazing that this beautiful bright yellow looking guitar is sitting on a Metallica stage and sounds like Metallica well maybe if Gary Moore used more wall wall pedal he would sound like Kurt Hammett yeah oh yeah that's definitely it sure but no it's not but you know the thing is is that's where you go okay is it possible that the tone is in the fingers and that's exactly where it is and all of these are pretty solid ideas of that yeah so where I think a lot of it comes in is the technique that people are using whether they're they're playing clean I'm not talking about a clean amp but when someone is playing in a way where their notes are articulate and they're muting strings that are not being used, there's not mm-hmm. a lot ringing out, versus someone who leaves it open, I think that can have an effect on a lot of times the low end mm-hmm. of being tighter and sometimes the higher end punches through the mix a little more. So each style, it may be different. If you're playing Metallica, you got to play clean, you got to play everything really articulate. If you're playing blues, you can be a little more sloppy. And so I think there can be a case made. Now, if Kirk Kamet played more bluesy stuff, would he sound a little more like Gary Moore? I mean, that that would be something we may never see. But No, probably. Well, I don't know. Maybe he could. I don't know. I I have no idea. But that does bring up an interesting thought to all of this, and that is when we talk about tone being in the fingers which fingers is it the left hand the fretting hand if Uh we're a righty or is it the picking hand which is your right hand if you're a righty so right and you lefties it'd be opposite (laughs) gotcha barber but the thing is is when you're playing is this one of those things where 
the left hand is more important or is it that the right hand is more important? They're obviously both important. But what do you think? When it comes to the left hand, I think the biggest thing that really sets apart different guitar players is their vibrato. When they use different grace notes going in, sliding into a note, Mm -hmm. that's where your personality really comes out is the grace notes you put in, the vibrato, the little movements that we make. And a lot of that has to do with personalities or the feel of it really comes out through the left hand or right hand if you're left-handed. And so when it comes to the picking hand, that's where your dynamics, I really believe, come through. Are you picking straight on a 90-degree angle with your pick? Are you angling it? How hard are you hitting? Are you using Mm -hmm. a pick at all? Yeah. For example, Mark Knopfler doesn't use a pick. Right. So when you're saying tone is in the fingers, he definitely has full control with his fingers, no pick. Other players play picks, and they get different sound. So that's where I believe your left hand and right hand can come into play. Yeah, for sure, because there are some blues players that I've heard them coax a note and coax it on command. Mm -hmm. I mean, who plays like B.B. King? B.B. King. Who plays like... SRV. Now, there's lots of people who can do it, though. They can make that sound. They can do that. And oddly enough, they can do it with different gear, but still get that type of sound and that type of play. And so that's part of one of those things where I go, okay, yep, that is definitely where maybe the tone is in the fingers. One of my favorite YouTube people to watch play is Chris Buck. And I don't know that you've ever heard or seen Chris Buck. Yeah, I'm not familiar with him. He plays with Cardinal Black, which is they're a UK band. And if you watch him play, he goes seamless between pick being tucked under his index finger and not. And then he'll play with his fingers doing something. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa. And then all of a sudden now he's digging in with that pick. And you're just like, okay. Yeah. Keith Urban's another one. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as familiar with the country guys as much. But as far as Stevie Ray Vaughan goes, he's definitely i think when people talk about tones in the fingers a lot of times people have stevie in mind because there's a particular sound i remember when i started playing guitar everyone was into stevie ray vaughn i live in texas so of course of course and there seemed to be this idea especially from older people i knew who played guitar who were like oh you don't need guitar pedals you just need to plug straight in that's what stevie did you know Mm -hmm. and that's fair and I think the picking dynamics that he had were very unique. He could get it to drive. He could play cleanly uh, just by letting up on the pick attack. And I think a lot of it really does have to do with pick attack. But I'll say if you're playing blues and blues style, there's different thought processes on different genres. Yeah. So if you're playing metal, it may be a little different. You're probably always picking pretty hard. Yeah, that's true. Actually, one of the things that I had a video that went out, it was Jason unboxing his R8 mm-hmm. and put it out there. And there was somebody who had in the comments, get rid of all those pedals. You're using them all wrong. Shame on you. I mean, it was pretty harsh. I actually, I never delete comments, but that was one where I commented back and <laughs> I was negative And I went, you know what? If you're coaxing this out of me, I'm getting rid of all of it. And so I don't have that on there anymore if anybody goes to look for it. But one of the statements he said was, there are stages in Chicago that you would be kicked off of if you showed up 
with these pedals on there. And I was mentioning it to Lloyd, and Lloyd actually said to me that our friend Kenny, who worked at Solid Body Guitars at the time, showed up with an amp and a tube screamer. And he was at a Chicago stage, and they were like, get that crutch off the stage, because they wanted to hear the tone that came from the guitar, the dynamics of the hands, and the amp. But mostly, I'm guessing, it's the tone from the fingers. That is an interesting uh, scenario. I've known a lot of guys, they just like playing straight into the amp. I'm mm-hmm. not one of those people. I mean, sometimes I will, but I'm a, I love pedals. So, uh, Yeah. You know, and maybe they are a crutch, but you know what? Probably. <laughs> I enjoy that crutch. That's, that's yeah, all I have too. to say. Now, all that to say that another one in talking with Lloyd was he sends me videos every once in a while when his cousin-in-law shows up, which is Pat Baker from Dean's Guitars. Okay. And Pat is the lead pickup designer there. He kind of runs that, and he is a stellar player. And I remember watching him play through Lloyd's stuff and he was playing Lloyd's Mexican telly and he was playing through like a black star 20 watt studio or something and he was playing Brian Setzer and it was spot on Brian Setzer Uh and I it didn't make sense to me but when you watch him play you go well but his technique, his hands, his fingers, what he does with it, how hard he hits, how light he hits. I mean, no wonder. The man is a virtuoso. For sure. Another person to bring up with Tone in the Fingers, which unfortunately he just recently passed away, is Jeff Beck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He had a very unique style of playing. He basically picked with his thumb, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to look at Tone being individual to a person i would say jeff beck is one of those people yeah he had i think such control over the dynamics i mean he he would roll the volume knob on his strat Mm -hmm. always had his hand on his whammy bar and was able to control the vibrato that way to be honest i can't tell you if he used pedals or not i've never really dug too deep into how he got his yeah sounds but it always gave a certain feeling every time you listened to Jeff Beck. It didn't matter if it was him playing more funky stuff or mm-hmm. more soulful. It just had a very unique sound to it. Yeah, well, and that's part of the reason why Jeff Beck is iconic and always will be considered an iconic player. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate that he has passed away and especially considering the condition because in people who actually got a chance to talk with Jeff Beck recently like within weeks of the time that he died it was kind of a freak thing that this showed up he had a bacterial infection in basically the brain that's what this all is and all of a sudden turn for the worst gone and you know i i don't want to talk too much about that because that's not what this is about but it deserves being mentioned that he was and honestly through his recording still is an amazing icon that is going to ignite a generation and feel and touch and play. That's for sure. So have you made enough of a case for tone is in the fingers? I did want to mention what I did this week. Oh yeah. Okay. So what happened? What did you do to see how tone was in the fingers? So I decided to do something kind of crazy. I turned my guitar up as loud as it could go gain all the way up. 
okay. volume all the way up. I mean, it's a 15-watt practice amp, so that's not ridiculously loud. Okay. But is decided, it a tube amp or is it's it? It's a tube amp. Okay. Yeah. What, what is it? It's a Laney Cub. Oh, yeah. So it's, I believe it's based on a Marshall, but just a very low wattage okay. version of that. Uh, a lot of mid-range mm-hmm. in that, especially compared to something like a Fender. What I did, turned it all the way up, and I decided, okay, I'm going to try to play as dynamically as possible. Just tried to barely hit the strings just to see how that would affect it. I would dig into it. Of course, feedback, crazy. Because, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I've got those tubes saturated. And what I was really trying to focus on was kind of in that more Stevie Ray Vaughan style is like lightly play yep, and try to see how much of this is really in my dynamics and how much of it is the amp. And I honestly find it was kind of a mixture of both. I had to eventually turn the gain down because it was just feedbacking. Oh, uh, yeah. Giving me feedback like crazy, which was enjoyable. But <laughs> what, I, what I found is it really made me think about how am I playing most of the time? Because I usually just pick the same every time, and I really was playing with the the volume knob and the tone knob, mm-hmm. which I normally do on a regular basis, but it really was making me think about Okay, my technique there was way more sloppy than I remember it being. Oh, sure. So I was working on cleaning it up. And in, usually if you're playing at a lower volume, you may not pick up on that as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hearing more string noise, and I was like, oh, I need to do a better job of muting that. Yep. And I think that's where we, you can really make the case where tone, I'll say this, is affected by the fingers. Okay, affected by the fingers. All right, I see where this is going. And actually, okay, to segue into making this claim that it's not that the tone is in the fingers, the tone is in the gear, then I'm going to do this transition that I watched the Joe Bonamassa rig rundown. Mm. And that man is an amazing player. No doubt. Anybody who has ever watched him play and do something, you go, I don't even know what key that's in, but whatever everybody else is playing, it fits. Yeah, like you're just doing an amazing job with your technique, mm-hmm. with the way that you coax that note out, with what you do with your left hand and your right hand, because sometimes you don't even use your right hand and your left hand's just doing it all. And But then you look at what he plays through, and his rig is either the Marshalls and the Fenders working together, or it's the Marshalls and the Dumbles working together, or it's the Dumbles and the Fenders working together. I mean, his signature amp is like a Fender Twin. That's a tweed. He's got a lot of sound. It's a wall of amps that goes. And then what does he decide to play through? He wants to play through vintage gear. So he's playing through the 51 no caster. He's playing through the 59 Les Paul. He's playing through Amos. That 58 Flying V, like, he's playing through it all. So, it leads me to, he is a stellar player. He's an amazing player. You hear everything he does, and then when you see the gear he has that he uses, you go, well, I mean, a Dumble. You're really telling me that that's not any part of how he plays or the way he plays or the tone that he gets? And that brings us to the gear. So what do you have to say about the tone is mostly in the gear, not the fingers? Okay. One thing I want to point out is your fingers are not equalizers. They don't really change the frequency 
Except for the pitch you are playing and the strings. Okay. So if you're thinking about gear, um, sometimes I think we're a little confused about what we mean by tone. Okay. But really, in my view, is tone is kind of all-encompassing of the sound you're hearing. And really, when you get to your amplifier, which guitar you use, the type of pickups you have, strings, everything. Let's just talk about guitars for a second. There's a mm-hmm. tonal difference between a Les Paul and a Telecaster. Yeah. And there's a tonal difference even between a Telecaster and a Strat, even though it may yep. be a little less of a drastic from going from a humbucker to a single coil. Sure. And your dynamics are really affected going from humbucker to single coil because the humbucker has way more mid-range. Mm-hmm. It's fuller. And I personally feel can be less dynamic. Now, sure, that could be probably argued, but... Yeah, would, you just upset hundreds and hundreds of people. But, you know, it's I'm fine. okay with that. It's cool. I'm, it's a, cool. I'm a single yeah. coil guy, so... <laughs> well, and okay, so you bring that up, and I'm not saying that I disagree. I, I do think that there is some frequency changes that can happen with if you play with your fingers versus playing with the pick. Oh, there you go. So yeah. there is that okay. aspect, but at the same time, I also can agree with you that... Humbuckers do sound different than single coils. Yeah. And they sound different than Filtertrons. And they sound different than P90s. And I own all of these. Mm -hmm. Yet when I play, it still sounds like me. But I will add one little part to this is that when I play a Strat, I don't play it the same way aggressively or in touch as I do the Les Paul. Okay. Same thing goes with a Telecaster. If I play a Telecaster versus a Strat, when I play a Telecaster, all of a sudden I find my hand gravitates towards the bridge. I find that all of a sudden the hybrid picking starts to occur. So we could say, oh, well, isn't that technique and not really tone? But at the same time, it all creates the tone. So this is something that I think is pretty important to to talk about is I've heard this argument that they say, no, touch and feel... That's different from tone. That's what we call technique. And tone is what you actually hear from the amp, the speakers, the guitar, really the marriage of all of it together. So what do you think about that term that you can't say tone is from the fingers because that's technique. It's gear that has tone. Okay. For the sake of argument, so from like going from guitar, possibly pedals if you're into that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. amplifier, all those have different frequency shaping really when we are talking about things that we perceive as more pleasant there's a certain control of the mid-range that's very important with all Mm -hmm. this and i don't know if you're familiar with the munson curve our hearing is not flat our ears are very attuned to human voices Mm -hmm. and so when it comes to those mid frequencies balancing out from our hearing is not as sensitive to low end at all High end, it kind of shelves off, but the mid-range is very pronounced in our ears. And so really when it comes to balancing your tone, you can use that using an equalizer. Uh, You can use that with drive pedals that have Mm -hmm. either mid-scoop or Mm mid-bump. And really it's all an interaction of all the different filtering, all the different frequencies that go through that. And so when we go from... A guitar amp to another guitar amp, the 
tone circuit is usually the most important part of each amp because it really gives it its distinctive quality. There's a Jim Lil video. He yeah. Did a whole thing about that. Someone hasn't seen those. They should go check those out. Yeah, he did something where he had like the lunchbox or mm-hmm. the toolbox amplifier, where basically it was just a bunch of like RC boosters mm-hmm. and some like switches and some things. And yeah, I mean, and it changed the way it sounded. Yeah, and so that can be the same with pedals. If you're using a big muff, it's going to be a scooped about mm-hmm. 1K. It just kind of scoops around there depending on where you have the tone knob you're using something like a tube screamer it's going to be boosting about 700 hertz and it can have a profound effect on the perceived tone tonal qualities because our ears are very sensitive to that mid-range and so when we talk about tone being in gear i personally believe a lot of that has to do with the mid-range control and our perception of the different kind of the energy we get from the gear compressing in a certain way so when we are distorting an amp it's really just compressing it kind of gives a a feeling of energy and i think when we talk about man i like the way this guitar sounds it's really this energy that they get from all the frequencies and all the compression and everything it's more pleasant to the ears yeah and i would agree that when you can add more gain you add more energy yeah and that's one of the biggest things because i've had times where i've been playing because okay it's out now guys Mm -hmm. i use modelers so when i'm using a modeler i will find if i'm playing and i'm going gosh it just sounds like it doesn't have much life to it one of the first things i do is i add a little bit of gain and i add a little bit of bass Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden energy starts to show up yeah now not much more bass because then it becomes like just too much low and too mm-hmm. much fart really. But a lot of it is that gain adds energy to it. Yeah. When you're adding lows on your amp or anywhere, it's honestly adding low mids as well. Oh, yeah. So it gives you that low mid energy. So that would make sense why that would give you more energy. Yeah. And if I'm having a tough time cutting through a mix, mm-hmm. then that's when I go, oh, I'm going to highs. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is mid, it depends on the amplifier. Mm -hmm. Because some amplifiers, I turn up mids and I'm getting more bass. And sometimes I turn up mids and I get more highs. And sometimes I turn up mids and it actually drops the highs. (laughs) Yeah, each each circuit, I mean, the way those circuits work, it's all interactive. Oh, yeah. uh, They're old, basically 1930s passive circuits. So they're not very complicated. I mean, a few resistors and capacitors, and that's what's yeah. changing your tone. Well, it's a big reason why whenever I'm trying to dial in my sound, the first thing I do is I put everything at noon. Mm-hmm. I play with the treble. I want the sparkle, and I want to cut through a mix. If I can't get it with the treble, then I start turning down the bass. Mm-hmm. But if I get it right away with the treble, then I start playing with the bass, figuring things out, leaving the mids at noon, and then I fine-tune with the mids, and sometimes I have to drop a treble or I have to add right. some bass or lower or whatever. But that's where a lot of that comes in is like if you have a, a, a TMB, a treble middle bass type of, of amplifier, then that's great. And if you have a presence on top of it, oh, yes. 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 That presence knob is to me very important to get just dialing in the right amount of like crisp. Oh, yeah. If I bring up my Vox AC15, mm-hmm. because it has a normal and it has a treble boost circuit, I will plug it into the normal 
first because all I get is volume, tone cut, and then I'll get some reverb or whatever, and then the master volume, and that's it. But then after I get that about where I like it, I then toss it over to the treble boost because the tone cut is still in the circuit, and then I fine tune with the treble boost. That's pretty smart. And it's because once you get that tone cut in the right spot, the other EQ is just so much more active and reactive. Yeah. And we've already mentioned the amount of gain you have on your amp. So when you're clipping the circuit, you're really affecting the different frequencies and you can get phase shifts within those. And it can completely change the overall sound. If you're playing mostly clean versus cranked up, you know, like you don't have to go as extreme as a metal sound, but just cranking it up can Mm -hmm. kind of almost flatten the peak. And it can actually have an effect on your overall tonal sound. And so I think getting the good balance between EQ, gain, and any of your effects, it it can have a profound effect on your perceived tonal qualities. Well, you look at something like a Marshall amplifier that has two, maybe three channels to it. You'll find that that first channel that they refer to as the classic channel, the clean channel, you crank that thing up and you're getting kind of the starting point of the next channel for gain and then you go to the next one and usually i find in the second channel of pretty much anything that they go oh this is the drive channel yeah i don't get up much past two because it's just starting to really get to be a lot of gain now of course i don't play with a ton of gain i love gain but i don't play with a ton of gain unless it really really calls for it and then if it has a third channel, it's like, well, I don't even know what to do with you. Yeah. Like, maybe I'll find a way to use you during a solo, but I don't really know. But this does bring up the interesting point that if we say that technique is what comes from the fingers and tone is what comes from the gear, I think it's important to note that there's no such thing as a tone knob on your fingers, but there is on your gear. That's right. Your guitar usually has a tone knob. It does. Some amps only have a tone knob for yep. their EQ. So, I mean, I think that's case in point. I think we're done. I think yep. it's it's just, it's in the gear. All right. It's been it's a good talk. Li- good therapy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, tone is in the tone knob, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned when I was talking about guitar, I love playing with a tone knob. And what I usually do is I'll turn my volume tone all the way up. Yep. Plug in my amp. This is before I plug in any pedals or anything. And I'll set the amplifier as like, this is the maximum volume I want and Mm -hmm. maximum gain. This is where, this is how bright I want it. Yep. And then what I'll do is I'll roll back on my volume and my tone knob until it gets to a place of, this is my baseline now. Okay. And so... I may make adjustments on the amp, but I always like to find, okay, this is my baseline. Mm-hmm. I'll roll that tone knob back and the volume knob. I don't use a treble bleed, so yeah, volume going down is going to darken it even more. And I'll usually put it about seven. Sometimes the tone knob, I may even go down to five or six. Yeah. Um, you know. And what I like to do when I play is I like to adjust. Okay, I want it a little brighter here. I'll bring up the tone knob, mm-hmm. and that brightens everything up. Of course, if I want to go completely solo mode, I just pop that volume knob up. Oh, yeah. 
And that's something that I think is missing for me when I use the modelers is I just don't find myself doing that at all. It's right. Kind of everything's at 10. And I go, okay, I like this. And then I use the pedals yeah. to change some of those types of things. But that's another conversation. The thing is, the reason why I even mentioned the whole thing with all the knobs and using the knobs is one of my recent guitars that I picked up, which is a 50-year-old guitar, you know, I, I actually did a video where I showed how that treble pickup was so bright, I had to drop it down to five and a half. Yeah. And it's one of the first guitars that I actually feel like all the controls are so well usable within each other that that guitar could probably do everything. Right, it's like the yeah. biggest workhorse ever. And that's a 73 Telecaster Custom. And people should watch the video because it is really interesting how some of those things go. I tried to make it short. That was one of my goals for this year. Mm-hmm. So if people are leaving comments going, I wish there was more of this, well, then I guess I'll just have to make more videos. Yeah, I mean, and then we can talk about pickups, pickup height. Can have oh, a yeah. Huge effect on how tone much... Tone and dynamics. Tone, and, dynamics, mm-hmm. everything. I was messing with my pickups just adjusting the angle of it and i realized you can get it really muddy or really bright just by shifting the phase of like the degree the angle of your pickup Mm -hmm. that can have a huge effect on the overall like phase of the frequencies and everything and that can in the end lead to a better balance so i like my pickups a little brighter but not too bright i still like them to have some fatness of the low end but i i like a more I hate to use the term tight low end because that's kind of yeah. buzzword, but I mean, sure. for lack of a better word, that would be what I like to go for. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that actually was one of the things I had written down for my case for tone is in the gear is that poorly set up gear, it will not produce a great tone. No matter what you do with it, it could produce good tone. Yeah. It could do appropriate tone, mm-hmm. but it's never going to be great tone if the action's too high. If the pickups are too low or too high, if the action's too low, if the trim low is poorly set up, if the amp has a terrible EQ curve or you're using the wrong speaker in there or your pedals are trash or the setup that you have, if it's going into some sort of a recording thing, if the mic is put in the wrong spot. Now, all of a sudden, it has little to do with technique. It has everything to do with the gear. Exactly. And that's a good point. I have heard great gear and I've heard bad gear and I've heard good players play on bad gear mm-hmm. and sounded pretty good, but I wouldn't have recorded anything with it. And something you mentioned was speakers. I think speakers and cabs are usually the least talked about when we talk about tone Yeah, and changing your uh, cabinet and speaker can have a huge effect on the overall tonal qualities that the guitar has. Yeah. Not that I'm an expert on it, but I can tell you that, the amp design, even the wattage can have an effect because that 15-watt yeah. amp I've got, to me, it doesn't have enough headroom for me personally. Oh, okay. I prefer a higher wattage amp. And even my uh, Softech MiG-50, maybe 50 watts, but surprisingly does not have as much headroom as I expected it to have. Yeah. If you think about recording in 60s and 70s, they would crank those amps up. Yeah. They were probably unbearably loud. If you think about the old high watts, uh, <laughs> yeah, Pete, Pete Townsend, David Gilmore, uh, even Jimmy Page used to use high watts mm-hmm. before he switched to Marshalls. I don't know which albums in Led Zeppelin he was using the high watts, but or if any, but the amount of headroom can have a huge effect 
on moving the speaker, which the louder the volume of the guitar amp, the more you're moving that speaker. Yeah. And you get speaker compression. And yep. that, that just gives you more energy. It's moving more air. And Well, that. and we could go into speakers, and mm-hmm. we maybe we should do one on speakers because yeah. even talking about like a 25-watt greenback versus a 75-watt Marshall speaker or yeah. whatever, I mean, a lot of these speakers are made by the same company. Oh, yeah. But yet they sound completely different because of the type of metal, the thing that the the paper the cone is made out of the amount of wattage that's allowed to go through it i mean there's all sorts of things plus the size of the speaker mm-hmm. the size matters sorry gentlemen but you know <laughs> all of those things are are something that can play into it but that brings up another thing i want to mention about the tone is in the gear in the, in that case for it and that is something that chet atkins once did and he was playing his guitar and somebody was watching him play and listening to him, and they said, wow, that guitar sounds amazing. And right as he was playing, he stopped and said, how's it sound now? And so oh. there was no sound at all. And, of course, making that case for, well, the tone is in the fingers. But at the same time, it's like, well, then take the guitar away and then just play air guitar. How does it sound now? You, know, you could make the argument either way. Air guitar sounds great in my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Actually, this is probably a good time for us to go ahead and take a break for the sponsors. And when we come back, we are actually going to go into two different ideas. One is everybody's right. And the other is everybody's wrong. So we will get into that after a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Here's another sponsor. Are you wanting to join a party with a purpose? If you love music and camping, then come to LifeFest in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'll see you there. Here's our last sponsor. Since 2003, the Kretzmann Guitar Company has been repairing and building guitars. In 2021, Kretzmann started a production of a solid body electric guitar for anyone student to expert. You can check them out at kretzmannguitars.com. All right, we're back and we're going to go ahead and go into this idea that everybody's right. Okay, we've made a case for the tone is in the fingers. We've made a case for the tone is in the gear. And I do feel like even though we're going for not being biased, as we kept talking, we started making this idea of where we really think tone is. But then at the same time, I think that we could also be on the same page in a different way. So let's just go ahead and make this assumption. Everybody's right. The tone is in the fingers. The tone is in the gear. How is everybody right? What do you think? Boy, I don't even know. Um, Everyone's right because your dynamics, your playing, your personality is going to come through in your playing. It's going to come through the signal that goes through your gear, which changes all the tonal perceptions that we're Mm -hmm. going to hear. We hear the sound waves. We hear the frequencies. So like I was mentioning earlier, the vibrato you play, it can change the tonal quality that you're hearing of a note. If you're someone like Angus Young and you're just going wild at one note, 
just super vibrato that I can't mm-hmm. even play. It's just going to sound totally different than someone like David Gilmore, who's just slowly mm-hmm. waving, using slow vibrato to the tempo of the song, and just it's going to sound completely different. That's where the personality of the tone comes through. And if you're someone like Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm-hmm. Jimi Hendrix, your style of playing is going to come through the, the speakers. And personally, I believe everything is just a combination of all the factors. I can see the argument where everyone is right, because I believe it is kind of, it's, it's all pieces of a puzzle. Yeah, People put emphasis on one or the other. We can talk about it later when I believe that we may focus on some aspects more than we should. But yeah, when we're talking about everyone being right, you know, you're not here to correct people. You're here to just say, Oh, you're right, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying everybody gets a trophy. Um, yeah, no. but what I am saying is that your tone is your fingerprint and you sound like you because you're trying to mimic others and trying to get that sound. And then you end up kind of getting your own, type sound and to your credit what you're talking about and this idea of you're listening back and you're getting it i mean this is kind of the reason why everybody's right because i could play something hear it and the feedback the sensory that i get is oh that wasn't good and now it changes my motor what i'm doing with my fingers which now coax out different tones and Uh different sounds it's not like the fingers just moved yeah. And magic occurred. It was this relationship of getting all the things. And so I'm with you on that, that it is this everything accounts towards all of it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think everybody's right. Everybody, it's the tone is from the fingers. The tone is from the gear. It's all of it. Now, that being said, it's a little bit of that interaction. Yes. It is the personal touch, the technique, and it is the gear, what can be coaxed out of it. Uh Because I've heard, as you mentioned before, great tone from not expensive gear Uh from a great player. And I have heard terrible tone from very expensive gear from a not very good player. Yeah. But that's their fingerprint. Yes. So you kind of go, okay, well, what I look at and go, man, that's terrible. They're looking at going, man, I love it. It's yeah. so good. And actually, a fingerprint is an interesting way to put that because you and I probably play pretty different. And I was mentioning earlier also that I've heard you play different things. I think your specific sound, if you're playing a, when you come and play your Tellies versus your Les Pauls, it, it mm-hmm. comes through the board very differently. Like yeah. I said earlier, can tell it's you, it's your fingerprint. Yep. But also, I would wonder if it's because you're setting up your gear, sure, in a way that shifts it each guitar to match a little better because that's your personal taste. That's what you like. So the amount of mid range you have, yep, the amount of compression you have to change that per guitar because it's going to be a little different. And like mm-hmm. you said, you kind of adjust your playing for each guitar. Yep. Telly, you said more chicken picking. Mm-hmm. But she naturally even, wants to do it. Even when I hear you play your tellies, yes, there's brighter qualities to it yeah. than the Les Pauls. I still hear this tonal shift 
with each guitar that you adjust it through rehearsal and then toward the end of rehearsal it sounded like your other guitar <laughs> very true i well and i will also add to that when i see the song selection mm-hmm. I decide what guitar I'm bringing based off of that. So, like, for this week, a lot of it was I need to have more of that big, robust clean. Mm -hmm. And I also need to drive and be thick and full. So I didn't bring a Strat. And I could have brought a Tele, but I brought my Les Paul. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. But had I only had a Les Paul Jr. with one pickup in the bridge... I would have struggled through the whole thing. Right. Not that it couldn't have done one part of it right, but I would have been thinking about all the things. It changes my mood. It changes mm-hmm. a lot of different things. So this is probably one of the things that I think is also interesting to this. When you look at it, I think that you're playing the gear, but the gear plays you just as much. Yes. I think you play your amp more than you know that you're playing your amp. And so that's the reason why I think everybody's right is that, You're playing the gear, you're playing to the gear, but you're changing how you do what you do because the gear is coaxing different things out of it. Yeah, and I would argue in an electric guitar, the amplifier is part of the guitar. Yeah. It's an instrument. Electric guitars on its own, you could play that without an amp. You know, it's going to sound a little quiet, but... Yeah, you can mic it. Yeah, you can like it. I don't know how good that would sound. <laughs> if it's an acoustic, it's fine. But yeah. if it's an electric, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so as part of an electric guitar, the amplifier is part of the instrument. It's the guitar. It's all-encompassing. So that's how I like to look at it, is like which guitar I choose can change this instrument and how mm-hmm. it's going to sound. And a good example of my favorite guitarist, David Gilmore, mm-hmm. so you look at different albums dark side of the moon the wall we could look at animals or even momentary lapse of reason uh which was their 80s album now if you look at the solo of the song time versus the solo to the song on the turning away in the 80s very different tones absolutely you can tell it's david gilmore yeah and i would argue part of it is we're familiar with the phrasing of a lot of these guitars they're phrasing so how much does that come into play of the familiarity of their sound yeah. and their personality, their fingerprint? So with that said, is like we can still recognize a lot of these guitar players, I think sometimes because we're familiar with it. But I guess that's more on the line of why everyone's wrong. Well, okay, then let's go ahead and transition into that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do our last little conversation before we do final thoughts. And I think... Everyone could be wrong. Yeah. And the reason why everyone's wrong is because instead of saying the tones in the fingers or the tones in the gear, I think the tones in the brain. Yeah. It's your perception. It's your reaction to what's going on. How many times have you played something and gone, oh, my gosh, that was brilliant. It was perfect. It was everything it was supposed to be. And you listen back to the recording and you go, what was that? It oh, wasn't yeah. on time. It didn't sound appropriate. It was all messed up because the tone is probably in your brain. It's your perception of what has just occurred. It's all in our heads and we're all crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love being crazy. I love it. Yeah, I think guitarists are a crazy bunch. <laughs> well, and to that respect, then you also look at it, and I've heard people say things like, oh, I didn't bond with that guitar, mm-hmm. or I didn't bond with that pedal, or I couldn't bond with the amplifier. And then I get it, maybe set it up a little bit, change the strings, do something, and I go, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, I have a 2003 Gibson Les Paul Classic that I bought in 2004 because somebody didn't bond with it, but I'm not getting rid of it because I've loved it for the last 20 years, you know? And I look at it like that and I go, why did they not bond with it? Like, what happened? Is it because they couldn't get the tone with the gear? Or is it because the gear didn't match the perception? Or did they just need money? But whatever it is, it's those types of things that I go, yeah, I think we're all super crazy. And it really has nothing to do with the gear or the fingers. It has everything to do with our perception of what we like. And if we have a little bit of talent, if we can learn well, then we're going to be able to coax some of the things that we want out of those things to match the perception of what it is we're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of putting it. Kind of going back to my idea of our familiarity with guitarists. We, we love and know we got Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. We got Joe Walsh from the yeah. Eagles. We got just anyone. We're so familiar with these guys because we've been listening for decades. Really, in my mind, most of the time when we talk about tone, we're all talking about a generic sound that we all just love. Story guitar. <laughs> yeah. And there's different flavors of that. Mm-hmm. If you pulled five guitarists who are not known, you just find find them. Go to Guitar Center. and yeah, say, Don't go to okay, Guitar Center. Well, don't go there. I'm just, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have you listened to the people who play Guitar Center? I went yeah, recently. That was that was terrible. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, good Lord. Okay. Uh, Maybe but, but not anyway. Guitar Center. Okay. Go on with your thought. I'm sorry. We, we go somewhere else. We find... <laughs> Five unknown guitarists. Okay. We all get them to play on the same rig. How different are we really going to perceive them? Yeah, maybe their playing is a little different. Maybe mm-hmm. their technique's different, some sloppier than others. But as far as the overall sound, I feel like they're all going to kind of sound the same if you really get down to it. Maybe. If it's things like, I need you to strum a G chord. Mm-hmm. I need yes. you to strum an E chord. Then I think there's going to be some people that you go, ooh, I like the way you strummed that chord, yeah. but that's your technique. And then that's our perception of what we enjoy. Yeah. Because you may listen to one person and think, man, I really like that. That had a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And another person, you didn't like it. You can get another person to say, no, I like the other guy better. Yeah. And that The opinion factor right yes, there. Yes, there is an opinion factor. And all of our perceptions are different. And so I think just my point is we just like distorted sound. Mm-hmm. It's very pleasant on a guitar and especially for rock and roll and blues and i think we overemphasize when we're talking about being tone chasers is we tend to forget sometimes there's some studio work that goes into that too a lot of magic a lot Mm -hmm. of studio magic there is if you have an expensive amp yeah it's going to sound different than a cheap amp yeah if you have a high wattage amp it's going to sound different than a low wattage amp and maybe the venue you're playing in the lower wattage is going to be better. Yeah. Um, well, and actually, recently, we just heard our friend Dr. Wu, who played his 59 Les Paul Jr. 
into a tube screamer direct into the board. Yeah. And you and I both went, sounds like a between position on two P90s. Yeah, exactly. And it sounded amazing. It did. But it didn't sound like a 59 Junior. No, it definitely did not. I honestly struggled to know what guitar he was playing when he was playing it for us. Studio magic. That's what it was. Studio (laughs) magic. Sometimes I think we just overemphasize the gear we have. Mm -hmm. I think the heart behind people saying, tone is in the fingers, is to get people to focus on, hey, you need to work on your technique. Yeah. Playing, learn songs, play cleaner, make sure you don't have a bunch of notes ringing out. You're not having a bunch of string noise and all yeah. that. So I, I get the heart behind it. The how it's been approached to me in the past is when I was first starting out. Hey, how did Jimi Hendrix get that sound? That's cool. Like I didn't know anything about Fuzzface or Marshall. Like yeah, you know. But a lot of players was like, oh, you're never gonna sound like Jimmy, so don't worry about it. Yeah. When you're younger, your perception is more. How does he get that distorted sound? That's really cool. And you got people dismissing it. Right. Like, oh, don't worry, you're never gonna sound like Jimmy. It's all in the fingers. I think we could be a little more helpful with people, especially when they're younger and they're learning. It's like, yeah, I agree. hey, you know what? You got to work on your technique and stuff if you want to sound like that. But I can show you this. He used a Marshall stack, mm-hmm. fuzz face, and 70s strat. Yeah. Or whatever. All that. You know, it's interesting that you bring it up mm-hmm. because one of the things that I often think about with the, you know, is it technique? Is it the tone? Is it whatever? There is one currency that everyone has a limited amount of, and that is time. Yeah. I can buy tone. I can sell something off and buy tone. I can buy all the tone I want, but what I can't do is create more time to work on things to get better at the craft. Yeah. And I think that's where this idea of tones in the fingers, I think some people use it as a dismissive thing. Saying, ah, tone's in the fingers. So if you don't sound like Jimmy, it's because your fingers suck. The people who say, no, the tone is in the gear are the people who are looking at their gear going, I'm proud of what I own. Mm-hmm. I love what I own. I love my tone. Don't dismiss that. <laughs> and so you look at it and you go, okay, well, everybody's right. And, of course, that basically means that people need to just be more encouraging of everyone going, you have great tone. You have great technique. Mm-hmm. You could have better technique, but you have great tone. Yeah. Or you could have better tone, but you have great technique. And encouraging people in the areas in which they lack. That being said, I would also add that tone's not just in that. Tone's in the room. Tone's in the weather. Tone's in the barometric pressure. Tone. We've all heard of studio gremlins or sound gremlins, and it's like, I don't know why it doesn't sound very good on Thursday night yeah. when I come to practice, but when I played on Sunday, it was perfect. I changed nothing. I've done mixing in an, in auditoriums where they had the AC full blast. It was cold. Mm-hmm. Then someone kicked the heater on, shifted the sound. Yeah. Just completely because it's all affected by that. And it, it was really my perception of the sound, of how yeah. fast the frequencies were getting to my ear. Uh, but it, it still was a noticeable shift. Yeah. And so that all that can have a huge effect on things. So. Well, and then you even add in frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Did I hurry up and have to set everything up and then start playing? Or did I set everything up, have a green room, get to relax? Did I relax too long? Mm -hmm. There's been times where I've played, and then there's like the sermon 
or there's a speaker or something goes on. Maybe it's the break in between the first set and the second set. And I come back to the second set and all of a sudden my frame of mind's off and I just stink the second part of it. And it's because that was all messed up. Yeah. So I guess that probably brings us to final thoughts, kind of wrap everything up and we look at our final thoughts. So why don't you go ahead and go first? Do you have any final thoughts on any of this? Okay. So what I can say is when we're looking at tone, depending on your context, it's important to have some good gear. If you mm-hmm. want to record, the gear is going to take you to a place, but it will only take you there if your technique is good enough. So the gear will only take you so far. Your technique is going to have an important impact on everything that comes out. But with that said, is like we said, you can have great technique, your gear may be limiting you on what you're trying to accomplish. So really, when it comes down to is what are your goals as a player? Or if you're just a bedroom guitarist, your gear probably really doesn't matter a lot. You're probably just having fun with pedals, and good for you. Yeah. If you want to do a professional recording, I'd encourage you to invest some money in some better gear. But before you do that, you should focus on your technique, your playing, and yeah. all that. And I think really – Tone chasing is fun. I I personally think guitar pedals are fun. I enjoy the different aspects. I love the Big Muff, the Rat, HM2. Yeah. And all those fun, nasty drives that some people would deplore. But And you know what? Maybe Tone is the friends we've made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was good. I agree with all of those things. And I look at it and I go, yeah. I mean, isn't it the journey that we're on? It's a hobby for many people, and sometimes that hobby can actually become a future. It can be employment. It can be that moneymaker and all those things. I guess in my final thoughts, my main thing is it's not necessarily about having to just go chase other people's tone. It's about finding the gear that like matches your hands Mm -hmm. and matches your mood for the time you want. Yes, I own over 20 guitars. Do I need over 20 guitars? Yes, I have like four amplifiers. Do I need four amplifiers? I have multiple modelers. Do I need multiple modelers? No, I don't need all of that stuff. But the mood I'm in in the moment, this is dictating what gear I'm grabbing off the wall. And when I get a set list and I see the mood that's trying to be set, I want to match it. I want to tone match it. Not because I'm matching it from, oh, I need a Tube Screamer and I need a Marshall. I want to tone match it for the mood that is trying to happen. What's going to inspire? What's going to coax that stuff out? So is tone in the fingers? Is tone in the gear? Is everybody right? Is everybody wrong? I don't care because I'm having an awesome time. Yeah, I would agree. All right. Well, thanks for being on this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Well, that's all the time we have for the Twee Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, make sure you leave five stars and review. Also, be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And remember, you are your greatest asset. Until next time. <laughs>